And so we're looking at this time in, in Jesus' life where things were a bit more simple. The, the church was small, it was growing, and Jesus was developing his followers. And sometimes he had a 5,000 people in front of him. Sometimes those 5,000 people left when they got to realize this guy's not like what we want in a king. And so we're right now in John chapter 6, verses 15 through 20. And this John's gospel, um, as I said, it, it, it was written later, after the other three gospels were already published. And this is the third telling of Jesus walking on the water. This story would have already been told twice in the other gospels. And I believe we're going to see that John gives us the shortest version of the story because as we've noticed, John pays attention to detail and he wants us to take certain specific things from something. He's not just recounting history. He's not just telling us all these facts. He says, I have something very specific that I want you to get from these things. And so he gives us the shortest telling of this story because he wants something specific out of it. Before we explore this, we're going into something, we have to acknowledge that it, it defies reason. Walking on water defies reason. Other miracles that Jesus does, people may try to say, well, this is how it worked or that's how it worked, and they may try to rationalize it. Saying he walked on water, um, the gospels put the, put the apostles in the boat in about the middle of the sea. So there's no way that Jesus was doing anything but walking on water if you read these stories literally. And so we're reading something that defies reason. And what do we do with that? N.T. Wright, he's a theologian. He's an amazing guy. He's written amazing things. And, and he says this, and I've taken this to heart. It, it, it's an amazing way to look at scripture. You either come to the text with a view of what isn't and isn't possible in our world, which won't allow any fresh evidence. This is perhaps not the best way to approach the book of John, which is all about the challenge of the gospel against existing worldviews. So you can either come to the text with a view of what is and isn't possible, or you can come with at least an open mind to new possibilities that you may have never imagined. So what I'd like to do as we go into this passage is to seek as we always should, to, to come with an open mind and an open heart to supernatural possibilities. Because if I'm not following a supernatural God, I don't know why I'm following him. I'm trusting in the supernatural. So let's go to the story. In John chapter 6, verses 15 through 20, it says, Then Jesus, because he knew they were going to come and seize him by force to make him king, he withdrew again up to the mountainside alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, got into a boat, and started to cross the lake to Capernaum. It had already become dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. But now a strong wind was blowing and the sea was getting rough. 
Then when they had rowed about three or four miles, they caught sight of Jesus walking on the lake and approaching the boat. And they were frightened. But he, this Jesus, said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. John skips over details that the other gospels would tell us. He skips over the, the childhood story that we probably all know of Peter walking on the water. He skips over these details and he just goes with this short little story. And part of what we're looking at here is a sign that not everybody agrees with. There's seven signs in John, but some people claim this is not the sign that John wants us to look at. Some people claim that back in chapter two, we should have looked at the cleansing of the temple. So we need to consider, is this even the sign that John wants us to look at? We know that John's gospel divides into two. There's a book of seven signs, and then there's the book basically of the passion of Christ. And so with these seven signs, what, what are we looking for in these seven signs? I contend that the pattern of at least six of these signs is a supernatural miracle. And that doesn't happen in the cleansing of the temple. That happens here. And so some would reject the walking on the water as the sign and they would choose the cleansing of the temple. I'm being upfront with you and telling you, I believe that this walking on the water is the sign that John wants us to look at. This entire section of John's gospel that we're in, in chapter six and the surrounding passages, it revolves around the Exodus. It's connected to the Passover. We found out that this is happening near the Passover. That's when the Exodus took place. The bread that Jesus gave to the 5,000, when he fed the 5,000, we saw last week that it was barley bread. It was the bread of poverty and shame. This was the bread that if you were a shamed soldier, this is where your rations, you got barley bread. And Jesus will connect this bread to manna. The people recognize the connection because they exclaim, this is the prophet. They see Jesus feed the 5,000, they hear Jesus' words and they say, this is the prophet. This idea of the prophet, it goes back to Deuteronomy 18, 15. Back then it says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites, and you must listen to him. And so these people are waiting for this prophet like Moses. These people are waiting for this guy to come and they see Jesus' work and they, they realize he's connecting himself to the Exodus. This must be the prophet. And that's where we start in this story is they said, this is the prophet against other people's will, against Jesus' own will. We're going to seize him and we are going to make him king. And look at that last week. That when you try to put Jesus in a box, when you try to force him, suddenly he's nowhere to be found. So we get one more connection now to the Exodus. And that's with Jesus walking on water. Israel crossing the Red Sea to get to the promised land in the Old Testament. It is poetically in the Old Testament also spoken of as walking either through or on the sea. 
And so here's one more connection. Jesus is walking on the sea. Psalm 77, 19 is one of those passages. But what John probably has in mind when he's telling this story is Isaiah 51, verses 6 through 16. This is probably the key passage that John has in mind. And this passage was one of the Jewish readings during the Passover. So this passage would have been fresh in the Jewish mind as they're understanding what Jesus is doing near the Passover. In this chapter in Isaiah, people are delivered to cross over the sea, just as Jesus and the disciples cross over the sea. In this passage in Isaiah, God consoles the people just as Jesus consoles his disciples. Jesus says, don't be afraid. And in the Isaiah passage, that is what God tells his people. So this was a Passover reading and this would have been fresh in their minds. So we have crossing the sea as something that adds to the Exodus nature of this sign that John is giving us. But there's something deeper. As Jesus consoles his disciples, most translations will have Jesus saying, it is I, don't be afraid. The Greek says, ego ami, I am, don't be afraid. Ego ami are the words that were spoken to Moses at the burning bush. He said, well, who do I tell Pharaoh is sending me? And God doesn't have a name for himself. He thinks through the English and for them, it would have been thinking through the Hebrew, but he's thinking through the human language. And, and what we have today is I am. What God offers Moses is this verb. That's all he can think, think to possibly explain who he is to Moses. Tell Pharaoh, the one who exists because he exists, sends you. God is existence itself. And so what Jesus tells his disciples on the sea is, the I am is here. Do not be afraid. John starts with this phrase from Jesus on the sea. He then enters into what is considered the I am statements of Jesus. We're going to go through Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate, the good shepherd. I'm the life. I'm the way. I'm the true vine. And so John is introducing that on the sea here. And we're going to see seven I am's of Jesus. As I said, John loves the seven. We see seven signs of Jesus because seven was the Hebrew number for completeness. And so he is choosing seven signs to say that Jesus is completely the son of God. And then he chooses seven I am statements of Jesus to show that Jesus is completely the I am. John likes his sevens. This is a nerdy little detour. I love this stuff. I, I love getting into this stuff and looking at it. This is a nerdy little detour, but ultimately it does us no good unless we know what to do with it. This is what I consider we do with it. John's seven signs were chosen to provide evidence to his readers of his faith that Jesus is completely the Son of God and he is the I Am. In the first two signs, people got it. 
water to wine. We read that the disciples say, we believe this is amazing. He turned water to wine. We get it. The next sign, he heals the official's son. The official goes, when was my son healed? And he puts two together and says, man, my son was healed the moment Jesus said he'd be healed. And his whole family believes. So the first two signs end in belief. The third sign, people miss it. Twice the blind man tells the Jewish leaders, I can see. And the Jewish leaders say, why are you carrying your mat on the Sabbath? He brought it to their attention twice and they could not see the amazing work of God. So on the third sign, people miss it. On the fourth sign, the one that we looked at last week, people kind of get it. He's a prophet and he should be our king. People said, hey, this is the one. This is the one that Deuteronomy tells us of. Other people were like, great, let's grab him and make him king. With the fifth sign, Jesus walking on the water, I believe John's giving clarity. John's saying you're on the right track, but this is God. This is the I am. This is not just a prophet, a human like Moses. This is not just someone that you're going to choose to make king. This is a sense that Jesus is God and it's enhanced by John actually making this the only time the disciples are scared of Jesus. At no other time will it say the disciples were afraid as Jesus came to them. In this one, they saw Jesus and they were scared. This, again, we look at the details in John and it's purposeful. John is telling us the disciples reacted to Jesus, just like you will time and again through the Bible see people react to the presence of the I am. They react with fear. And so John is pointing to Jesus being the I am. He's saying, you know, you 5,000 people, you, you, you moved a little bit this way. Now let's go a little further and let's see that who Jesus really is. So Jesus is God. And that's where he wants his readers to go. Contrasted with where Jesus wants his readers to go. The crowd goes backwards. Jesus didn't fit what they wanted. They wanted a prophet and a king. And Jesus didn't fit it. So what we read after this sign, while John says, move forward and see that Jesus is the I am. By the next day, when the people find Jesus again, they say, hey, Rabbi, what's up? He's now gone from a prophet and a king to, he might be a good teacher. He fed us some bread. So the crowd's going backwards and John wants us to go forward. And the crowd regresses when Jesus doesn't give them what they want. And Jesus acknowledges it. By the next day, when he's just rabbi, he says, you come to me because I gave you bread yesterday. You, you ate your fill. What does this say to our lives? Again, what, what good does this do to us? You know, Jesus is one of the key parts of Christianity that the world struggles to reject. It's hard to argue with Jesus' charity, with his love, 
with his selfless example, it's hard to argue with that. And so the world doesn't really reject Jesus. A lot of times, like the crowd, they go halfway. Let's have Jesus like we want him. Maybe Jesus didn't really exist, but the idea of him is great. So we'll accept the idea of Jesus. Others say, well, he existed. He was a prophet. Just like the crowd says, he was a prophet. That'll fit our box. That's how we want Jesus. Many in the world will say Jesus was an excellent teacher. He taught a lot of good things. And so for them, Jesus is the rabbi that Jesus became the day after feeding the 5,000. So the world can't reject him. And so a lot of times they meet Jesus halfway. And oftentimes I can feel that way. It would make my life easier sometimes if I could make myself a Jesus and a God that made me comfortable with what I want to do, who I want to be, and how I want to live. It would be nice. But what we see is that when the crowd tries to do that, Jesus is nowhere to be found. And when I try to do that in my life, I found Jesus isn't always there. And what John is saying is you can try to make Jesus who you want him to be, but I'm telling you, no, Jesus is the I am. And what Jesus does is he doesn't fit into my little box and my little imagination. I imagine what I need in this world is, is I need a prophet like Moses. I need a king who will overthrow the Romans. Israel, in their imagination, they determined, they had, they had figured out, this is what we picture. We, need, we picture we need a king. We need this and this. And God doesn't fit that. Rather, what is intended to happen is that God pulls my imagination to, into his expanse. The Pharisees, when the man was healed and he was carrying his mat, they could not step outside their Sabbath imagination to be pulled to where God was going. The crowd that was being fed, they could not be pulled out of their earthly kingdom imagination to see where God was going. And John wants his readers to move into the imagination and the possibilities of the divine. And John acknowledges that looking at the divine and going there can be scary. The only time Jesus' disciples are scared of him is when they saw him in this divine I am moment. But the I am is there, John says, and he's saying, don't be afraid. He's imagined greater things than what these humans thought. These humans wanted a little piece of territory in the world, overthrow the Roman control of their little piece of land. And God says, I got something bigger in mind. And so the I am is saying, don't be afraid. And he's inviting us to reach for him, just like the disciples reached for Jesus to bring him on the boat. They got over their fear. And what we're told in the story is they said, we should bring him on the boat. And this is the pinnacle moment of response to the sign that John is giving us here. And it's the pinnacle moment in our lives. Will we embrace a divine who says, 
I won't follow all the rules you think you have figured out about me. I won't fit within the box you think you're going to contain me to. But if you'll reach for me, I'll bring you incredible places. To me, this is an amazing sign of John. This is the sign where people do more than just glimpse the glory of Jesus. They see the divine in him. And it's scary. And the divine says, don't be afraid. Let's do this. And it's with his little bit of disciples that he has. We're going to see the 5,000. They take him from king and prophet to a rabbi. And then by the next day, they're walking away from him. Ah, this guy's not fitting what we think he should fit. So they walk away. And it brings me back to the beauty of where we are today is as this starting church, as, as we're launching into what's new for us. It's a beautiful thing to be in this. What I'd like to do is, is reflect on this. Again, we just have, we have, our, we have our imagination, we have our heart. And God grabs that. He, faith pulls us in when, when we look at the world around us, we see the physical and God says, let me capture your imagination and let you know where we might just go. Eternal life, a renewed creation. It captures us and we can picture it. And so I believe the story does that. The story captures our heart and our imagination into the I am. We follow the crowd and then we go further than the crowd ever did. They stopped at prophet and king and we're called to go further.